Hi, I'm Derek Morrison and welcome to another episode of Bring Your Own. For our second annual Christmas episode, we want to do another Secret Santa edition of the BYO podcast. Joining us at Sager and Wild on Hackney Road, we've got a fantastic group of guests who've brought bottles from their own cellars wrapped for their Secret Santas around the table. Joining us today, we've got Rupert Taylor from Uncharted Wines, and Alea Cassettes from West Wine Kitchen, and Michael Sager from Sager and Wild here on Hackney Road. Special thanks to Michael and the team at Sager and Wild who hosted us for the filming of this episode. Follow them online at at Sager and Wild. Hi everyone, thanks for coming. We're really excited. This is our second annual Christmas-themed episode of uh, BYO, Bring Your Own. Um, and could be more excited to have you guys with us to, to, to kick it off. So uh, let's go around the table quickly for some introductions and uh, tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, um, what you're up to. I'll start with you, Rupert. Um, I have a small wine enforcer called Uncharted Wines. Um, we're very new enforcer. We started November last year. And we specialize in wine on tap and Beaujolais. But we do a few other things as well. And Annalie? I'm Annalie and I have a natural wine bar in Peckham called West. And yeah, it's all about um, inspiration from wines all over the world, but mainly California and that minimal intervention and kind of expressing terroir and killing it. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> love it. I think it'll be good, good chats. And uh, Michael, thanks for hosting us here at Sagan Wild as well on Hackney Road to, uh, uh, to film. Killing it too, I like it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as in like, you know, the emotion. I'm not kidding. <laughs> No, uh, here at our spot, another spot down the road, and just opened something rather big, which I'm really excited about, called Fair Bar and Canteen. That's new in more central London. But yeah, definitely love everything wine, but also recently Mezcal. Oh, yes. yeah, awesome. So, yeah. Any Pachuga? Any, uh... All of it. Two Pachugas, actually. Awesome. Great. I love yeah. the, I think I know how the ends, how the today's going to end. It's awesome. <laughs> so, everyone, so because it's Christmas, we wanted to kind of play off the Secret Santa theme and do a little bit of uh, blind tasting just for a bit of fun. So everybody brought a festive bottle or a bottle wrapped in some sort of festivity. I'm, uh, uh, for those who can't see us that are listening, I'm um, not dressed like a Christmas tree. I am a Christmas tree. So... So we'll start with the first bottle uh, Rupert brought for Annalie. So uh, a little blind tasting for you first, and uh, go ahead and give a, give a pour. Please tell me no one has ever gotten this right. <laughs> Is it meant to be like this? <laughs> Is it supposed to be like that? There you are. It's a natural wine. Is it unfiltered? <laughs> this is so bad that you chose me, and I'm like the first one to go. Um, it's quite subtle on the nose. Um, a little bit of peach and a little bit of white flower. Feels like a bit of a warmer climate. So yeah, so it's um, a little darker than um, the typical white wine that most people would expect. Um, a bit cloudy. Um. Nice good. nose. Yeah, good mm. nose, yeah. yeah. It's a good Christmas aperitif wine, I think. Mm. Um, the acidity is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, and it doesn't take over. Um, but you were like, you know, like you're thinking kind of warmer climes and to a certain extent, like that leads you. You know, without, you know, don't want to lead you off in another direction, no, 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 but fine. yeah, like it it's, not, it's, not, it's not a super cool climate, that's for sure. No, it just feels a little maybe high and, um, and, and, and warm and sunny. Um, so, and a little bit of a like herbaceous note in the end. Yep. Um, something a little bit dry as well. Um, that stays, actually, the finish is really cool as well. And I also feel like it has, I mean, I don't think it has any oxidation, but it, there's just something a little nutty on it, um, something that just... Um, yeah, seals it. There isn't another wine from this grape variety, from the place it's from. In some ways, I think it's I think it's an interesting wine because it's like it's something that there's some there's some stuff in it which like a descriptors of the place it's from, but this person is doing something very different. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna call it randomly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I'm gonna go with, damn it, I'm gonna, I mean, it's because I'm thinking it's maybe like a, a pretty cool old world, but I'm gonna go with New World. Yep, New yeah. World, yeah. Um, and I'm gonna go with something that's super versatile and I'm just basically cheating. I'm gonna go with Chenin Blanc. Not Chenin Blanc. Okay. I was, I was, I was thinking Chenin Blanc, but then there's that herbaceousness at the end that kind of tickles yeah. me away and it's almost like, it's kind of like a warm climate with like really a little cool. bit of skin contact, like Sauvignon Blanc or something like that. It's exactly what it is. Sauvignon yeah. Blanc, yeah. And so she said, it's New just world. nicely ripe. There's a couple of other producers that are making this uh, wine that's, that would fit into this category in this country. They don't taste like this. Do you want to see what it is? Brilliant, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he'd have thought I'd bring in a New Zealand Sauvignon, certainly not me. But um, there's something that makes me think of Shida in these yeah. in these yeah, wines yeah. as well, like the, the cloudy um, one. yeah. And uh, so it's the Hermit Ram, skin, skin fermented Sauvignon, so it spends um, oh. six has six weeks of skin maceration, but really gently, which is why, you know, it's it's almost like a, I always think of this as like more like a white wine than a orange wine. This? And then he makes his red wines like the same, yeah. you know, like very gently, really lots of whole bunch stuff with the reds. This is de-stemmed um, in 17, but like working the same idea that it's just gently keeping it all going. So it's a guy called Theo Coles, is the winemaker. And he just works with, uh, he, he works, his main job is working in Central Otago for a, like a really serious domain, and then um, making pe making music called Calic. Yeah. And then he this is his own project, and it's all limestone soils. So he seeks out these little pockets of limestone in Canterbury. It's funny, like when I was tasting the wine, there's because you could tell a bit of the style, you could feel those textures, you could feel a bit of the ripeness. So it's kind of really hard to place. But then there's also you know, it's ripe, it's soft, it's got, the acidity's not really, it's accentuated by that limestone soil. You can feel that kind of brininess and it was almost like, oh, there's a little bit of like muscadet soil kind of qualities in this kind of tension. Not leading me there, but um, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening in this wine. It's, uh, and it's, it's got a bit of funk, it's still like, but like, it's still super clean. I like everything about it when you say gentle, it's really kind of subtle, all the different textures and points of it. I, it's cool wine. It's fun. Really, and it's just, Totally drinkable. How do you feel about being given a New Zealand Sauvignon? I actually, I mean, it's so cool. It's the kind of stuff that you give to people as a massive surprise when they tell you they don't like something from a specific place in the world, right? It's um, it's exactly how we should be experimenting with wine. Um, no, it's gorgeous. It's it's yeah, it's mind blowing actually. It's so drinkable. It's so pretty actually. It's beautiful. It's so pretty. There's there's so much going on with it. Um, no, I'll um. I'll order a case. <laughs> Rupert, I uh, brought you a wine. Are you ready? Yes. With a bigger carafe, it kind of looks like an experiment. I just want to keep it cold. We chilled it right down so we can't taste, any, taste what it is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, a wine. I really, I really wanted you to taste, and I'm confident you haven't tried. So I want to see what you think. I think the person who makes it is also going to care a lot because he or she knows you. Are you in, um, you know what we should do is a quick, um, the old game. Mm -hmm. Do you think this wine is older than two years or younger than two years? Mm. Right, I think, it's, I think it's younger than two years because of the color. Do you think this is a natural wine? Between, let's say, the raw wine sense or real wine fair definition, do you think this is natural wine? It's got, it's got very classic, like, 
fruit. Yeah. Love your aroma. Like the fruit, like I get like a kind of like dark cherry yeah. fruit. There's there's oak, but it's like beautifully integrated. Yeah. You definitely don't have that sulfur burn. I mean, no. you definitely have that. If for a, such a young wine, if yeah. it's less than two years old. It's so approachable. You kind of open and feeling that fruit. You don't feel that but tickle over it. It doesn't. It's not necessarily like zero. Like sans soup mm. wines can almost be like. I mean, like to to like try. I don't know because you're trying to categorize things, and they can all. Be, every wine can be a bit different, but you know, like can be a bit more prickly than maybe this yeah. is. So maybe yeah. it has a little bit of sulfur and. Yeah. But yeah. That's so possible. let's say. So let's say it fits into that criteria. Yeah. Yeah. What does it look like? You already said about the rim. You know, it can only really be a few. The colour's really, like, really interesting because it's, it's both got beautiful clarity, but it's very deep and intense. <laughs> and the tannins aren't super grippy or anything, like, so that tastes... I mean, think of it, we chilled it right down and it still doesn't yeah. show too grippy, right? It reminds me of Bizo. Reminds you of? Bizo. Bizo. I'm just messing with you. Do you think this is from a hot climate, a cold climate, to a moderate climate in terms of WSCT? Like this wine definitely has sunshine, like it has ripeness, but not to the point of being in any way jammy or overripe or anything like that. There's a lovely fruit ripeness to it. So it could be... It's a really, this is a really tricky wine. Let's put it on the table, what grape right. do you think it is? Trousseau. No. This grape, unlike many others, well, like, unlike any others, has undergone, you know, a lot of different hats and expressions in the last 35 years, 40 years. That tells you a lot about Trousseau, because no one really drank fucking Trousseau 35 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. This wine was also drunk 35 years ago. Not from this producer, but it's that classic. So it's from America? Correct. I've not tried this wine before, that's why I wanted to open it. So I was curious myself. Monovarietal. It doesn't have too many tannins, so you can, you know, already say it's not Cabernet. Like it's Pinot? That's right, it's Pinot. And I know the winemaker. Yeah! <laughs> uh, like, I don't know many winemakers from California, but it's someone you know very well. And yeah. it's not textbook. Yeah. No, so, I said I don't want to comment on it. <laughs> it's Raj, Raj. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's like the, from Raj, Raj, it's Raj Par, and it's his, like, natural serosulfur. Yeah, so they launched uh, something. This is actually not released. Release date is next month. Rup. Do you like it? Or what you I know, you didn't let me unwrap mine. Rupert's that kid at the Christmas tree that just like needs to unwrap everybody's presents. So yeah, pure Domain de la Cote, 2016. Um, this wine is zero sulfur, unfine, unfiltered, which I think is mega interesting for Californian Pinot that's been shipped, you know. Absolutely. Actually, a suitcase, a suitcase import which came in an airplane, you know, and you can argue it's really interesting about making wine, right? This is a whole bunch, how it can last, how it can show with zero sulfur from diatomaceous or limestone like soils. Mega interesting, I think. And the fact that you were in France, and what do you think, Rupert? Is this drinkable? Yeah, absolutely, incredibly drinkable. I think we've just we've pretty much drunk. Uh, not yet. Yeah. But yeah, very, very drinkable, delicious wine. Thank you very much. And then give me the cork. Yeah, keep going. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You got it. <clears throat> All right. Am I allowed to look yet? Yeah, you can. Of course I'll you look, can. Oh, look, pencil. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, this is for you. 
I won't look as it feels. It's okay, you don't... See, this is the problem. You see a, a backstop. Damn it. Exactly, exactly. You didn't see the backstop. Yeah, of course he did. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you're already saying that. Honestly, with blind tasting, I, I, I get a lot of anxiety with blind tasting. And I always jump into my first thing because I overthink it and talk myself out of yeah, things. Yeah, I taste the yeah, Fortunately, I've, I've, I've never met Annalie before tonight, so I can't play the whole kind of mind game thing. Although she did say, she did say something about being a, killing it with natural wine. Wax top. Did I really open my game that much? Yeah. I don't know. Is it like Columella from Eben Sadi? Something like that. So the first thing you do is like you give your, give your first impression shout, and then just go live your life. It's kind of like when you walk into a casino, and you go hoping to leave like a with money, but you know you're gonna lose all your money, right? Money so you just I, I took it blind tasting the same way. I'm like, this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna have a fun time, and I'm gonna enjoy it every step of the way, and probably leave with nothing. And it's also like Vegas. If you go to the casino, you're gonna leave drunk. So. <laughs> One thing I would say is like if you drink the whole bottle of this, you might be drunk. Yeah, this is definitely this is definitely up. To be honest, now I can't get that out of my head. It you definitely it, has kind of it. like Come on, you got it. It's not, like hot climate. It's definitely got these kind of Sorrel-like qualities, but not in like a Barossa or like really like over the top way. It's not like Santa Rita Hills from well. a bigger producer. I'm like I'm feeling. It has it has good acidity. It's got it's got a, enough kind of spice and fruit on the mid palate. It's got a bit of oak, but not like crazy. It's 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 light for a big wine. If that makes any sense, it's balanced. It's got some refreshness. It's got like a bit of acidity, but it's still like. You're saying everything the producer would like yes, to hear. Yes, I was going to say exactly. I was going to say exactly that. They yeah. would love to know that that is what they that you get in a blind taste. Yeah, exactly. So you're doing so well. It's a warm climate, New World region, Syrah, maybe with a blend. Um, but with uh, from a producer with kind of, let's say, for lack of a better word, old world sensibilities, someone that loves maybe Hermitage, that's like kind of that okay. kind of thing. So, because it's got it's got some bravado, but it's got acidity. Um, it's got a it's got some nice sapidity and kind of like um, saltiness on the mid palate to give it a bit of kind of texture. It's got some caress and and that kind of luscious, new world, ripe wine kind of character. I think this producer would much rather like you to say that maybe the winemaker likes Mondeuse a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think this winemaker likes Hermitage as such. Uh, on the nose, on the nose it has much more of that kind of quality. Look, I'm going to stick yeah. with my original guess. I'll say Eben Sadi Columela. Say it again. Eben Columela. No. But everything else you yes. said, everything else you said was there. You want to open it? Yeah. Where is it? Oh, next to you. Is, it, is there a link between the last wine Anybody and this one? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's, it's Pax. No. No, no but no. good one, good one, good one. Anybody else is on it? Is it Raj? No. The winemakers There's two. Right. are relatively famous for picking potentially slightly early, but also picking really cold regions of said area. The area is not famous for cold regions, but they pick And it's actually incredibly old. Um, so, well, incredibly old. For that, no, but it isn't, it isn't. And also for they're that... They're very good friends. For that, they're very good friends. They're, um, do you think it's female or male? Don't, just, I don't, I don't... No, but I, it doesn't I, matter. It's just like, it's just for, for, the, for the game. Well, now I'm thinking female, because you're just... No, nope, it's actually two males. And um, where they are, uh, which you're right, is California. Um, the vines are pretty old. Actually, maybe the first making this kind of wine. 
And okay. I mean, you need you you want to open it, yeah? You did so well, and you only didn't guess what doesn't matter. You guessed everything. You can check else. your phone, Rube. I'm brought a fucking gem. I'm still like I'm still like <laughs> on my head. Like, who do I think it is now? Well, keep calling it then. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. I'm on the mailing list. <laughs> it's Arnold Roberts, Sarat, 2014, yes. one of my favorite producers on the planet. So you did so line. you did so Thank well. You so much. Seriously. <laughs>
the region where he makes the wines. So that could be an international, like a, a classic winemaker in a neoclassic region, or a an, an ex, a, you know, um, an outsider in a classic region. But I think that you, I think it's really interesting that you said kind of what you did because uh, I think it touches on something important, which is not helpful for helping you guess the wine. Not native to the region, the winemaker, yeah. he or she. He. No, I, I actually believe this is classic. Maybe not. It, it has something. There's another really a wine that I love, but it's slightly dumbed down now on the thing, no? The nose. You could tell it probably had vibrancy, but it's kind of something numbs it down on the nose. But then the palate shows it more intensity than the nose, which is this slight off thing in development, meaning there is development. The wine is not youthful. You know, when you get into that off kilter balance of the palate being more expressive than the nose, something's going on. It's like there's got BFH on it. But. And there's something yeah. that's going to give you some sort of meatiness and then it stops right there and it like it just almost like a rotundness that then, then, then doesn't happen. You think it's a warm climate or a warm vintage? Or a cold climate or a cold, and, a, and a cold vintage? The fact that the acidity looks the way it does and probably they might have acidified, I don't know, but it looks like amazing acidity. Just keeps going more than the fruit. More The alcohol actually stays as long as the acidity meaning potentially warm vintage classical region. I'd say that's correct. It's just the fruit has got this crazy overripeness to it, which is not really maybe due because of age, but it's got, a, not stewed, sorry, a slight dried fruit element to it. Like it's going into prunes. It's definitely very tertiary on the kind of fruit profile. Yeah. So this is, uh, to give you context. Which is also wine I not often drink recently. You know, like recently it's been crunchy. And so tip, typically, this producer's wines is, are very much in that kind of crunchy. This is a warmer, a warmer vintage um, of of the wine. It's not his top wine, but it has a bit of age. It's been in bottle for a few years. It's classic region. Do you have a, like what country do you think? Or, or what country do you think? You talk about Italy. Do you still think it's Italy? It's not a classically warm region. You wouldn't. We wouldn't think of it, and we wouldn't have talked about it tonight around the table. It's a warm region. It's not herbaceous enough to be Loire as such. No, it's not warm. There's a region I don't ever drink much, Bordeaux, but again, it doesn't really have much of that. I, I think it's a region you like very much. But it, but it's so it's not, it's but it's not Italy. It's that, it's what, no. it's not, that's, that's so interesting because there's just like every, there's so many things that lead you to Italy, isn't there? Right? That's why, yeah, big time. The color, the rim on yeah. it, the, the aroma. There's some storage and age on this, and it has been stored. I don't say warm or cold, but there's been. Do you know what I mean? It's got some slight of, not cooked, cooked, but a uh, ripe element to it. Whether it's the harvest, the vintage, I would say it insists it's like seven, eight years old. It's, it's a bit younger than that. Oh. And a warm vintage. A bit younger than... And, and if I had to say that there's probably, a, in the broader region... Is it Syrah then? I mean, I mean cheese, yeah. I would say that like you're probably one of the prime champions of this area or the broader region. If it's Syrah, if it was, because the acidity certainly pertains to a tiny berry, you know, and also tastes like it's on slate, cheesy kind of granite soil. Yeah, it could totally be a Syrah from 2009. No, that's older than what we said. So um, how, how many years was it? 2018 now. You said you said seven or eight, and I said it's it's not quite that old. Exactly, so it's younger. So 
So if you're thinking nine, 11. I honestly think Norton Brown at this point, but it could be anywhere else. Norton Brown because of the way he feels in the palate and nothing else. I don't want to say, but that ripeness is like, is not, is because of the vintage that you're feeling that a bit more, that fullness. Because the textures are really, will tell you where it is as you kind of, I think you, I think you figured it out. It's the only region it can be. It's definitely not Bordeaux or, or no Loire, nor Savoie, nor Greece, sorry, no, no Shuha, nor Swat, Southern Rome. Like, we need to decant this wine, like, it's coming out, like, it's coming in, out in the glass, yeah. And it was probably crunchy at some point, meaning it's probably a whole bunch ferment thing. The guy doesn't use, or she or she, so he said he doesn't use new oak, potentially, or maybe in a, some used... Oh, you know, it could be, fuck. Um, it could be in Hermitage, it could be uh, Fauri. Those wines taste similar. It's a good producer, I mean, it's got a nice length. The wine is not cheap. How many producers would you name from Northern Rome that, like, aren't from France? Okay, I know one person who makes wine, and I can think of one. Should we, bl should we blind, the, blind the winemaker? It's a winemaker from Australia. No. Okay, that's my one. That was my one. But this isn't like his because he's a more like pronounced spice. Um, is he European? Is he what? Yes. European, and it's not under a calic, yeah. Nope. So it's from the he's from the the Baltics. Sorry. Meaning Estonian, Latvian, or Lithuanian? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Would you like to open your Christmas present and we can... Appalachian, oh, now we're feeling a bottle. Yeah. There we go. Doesn't look like a Bordeaux bottle anymore. I told you, it's the wine wrapping paper wrapped in. Yeah, because it looks like Bordeaux. You see, that's the tricks. Um, oh, one last guess. One last guess. 2013, which Northern Rhone Appalachian? Maybe we're across the river. And it could be because there's a rustic profile to it. Maybe we are in, you know, Cornasty. Maybe we are in a coat roti. Oh, I don't know this. Coat roti! 13! I like this because I don't know it. Christophe Samaska, Chateau Montli. And I can. <laughs> oh, it's coat roti 2013. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the mine is coat roti. Wait. Christophe Samaska. No, I've not tried this before, thank you. Cool, yeah, I, I, I figured what, what can I bring for the Syrah champion of other than a Syrah from a region he loves. Maybe I'm not sure if he knows the producer. So um, I discovered the wines from uh, Christophe Samaska, Chateau Montli, shortly after I moved to London. Um, my flatmate, we lived near, uh, 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 it was right around the corner from the importer who brings it in, we kind of would do a wine swap. And um, so Chateau Montli was kind of an old estate that Christophe Samaska um, kind of rehabilitated. But I just always loved the purity of the wines. They were always kind of, had a bit of whole cluster, had that essence, but they're really about the kind of freshness, the, um, the, the lightness of it. It's not a big name, but he's kind of making these kind of classic wines with a really kind of unique sensibility um, without trying too hard, right? And these are, and so when I discovered, I think the first vintage I had was the 09 or the 08 or something it's like really that. It's really tough, you know, because you know the wine is not over-extracted as such. It's just had a warmer vintage. There's no one who's not conscientious of winemaking here. Everything is sound. It just went slightly, uh, you can tell there was a slight ripeness in it. 
And a half no reference point for this. Never tried. Crazy. And I, th I think it's kind of you know it's 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 a, it's a it's a wine that's kind of in the fit of all the Cote tea that we around the table like to drink. And you know this is from a warm vintage, so you can feel that, but you still feel the kind of style of the producer in terms of that they're not looking to make that wine. But that's kind of what that vintage gave. And the 14 is much more classic, much more on that kind of classic Cote tea peppery nose, still the slatiness. And the 12 is a little bit more kind of as you'd expect the 12s to be from Northern Rhone. The 13, it's you're feeling a bit of that warmth, but it's still 13. From the soil profile, that's what's so fucking interesting. And, and so many things, I love listening to you taste the wine because you caught that kind of, there's a struggle here, there's something that's classic but not classic, and, and I thought that was really interesting because you could feel those kinds of, kinds of things. And I'm not going to say tell the soil somehow, but you can tell the vintage, but you can't tell the winemaking. I don't know what the guy does. Does he like whole bunchy or not? Is there any oak in it or none? Is there? It's really interesting. I think there's a little bit of both. I, and, yeah. I think, and I don't think he's necessarily prescriptive vintage to vintage. I think he kind of makes it and based on what he has. And in there's either or, right? There's like two guys that still do rubies to bring in, one of them. There's like two guys that do one thing, and then the rest has decided to follow a certain American writer. Yeah. But the whole area has followed that area, like that style. And then this is in between. And also, like, this is his kind of entry cuvee, right? He has other single vineyard wines, and he makes it a broader. And this is, yeah, I think, around, like, probably, like, 45 pounds retail, something like that. So not, like, not, not, not super cheap, but for Cote Roti, it's quite entry-level pricing. Funny to call it Chateau or something, no, in Cote Roti. Well, so Chateau, Chateau Mondely is, was the is the name of the estate that he, that, that he, that he bought, but his name is Christophe Samaska. And, and, um, but I, I've always just loved the wines, and, and for me, this cuvee has always been my favorite of his wines to drink because it's got that kind of, it's got all of the character of the region, but it's generally quite open and not a, it, this wine has a bit of structure and you can feel it's maybe aging not in the, like as prominently as maybe you, as you'd expect a great top coat routine, but that's kind of your entry cuvee, your cuvee, you know, of like, of the house. Um, I've just always loved this wine, every vintage, just one of my go-tos to kind of have stashed around and um, yeah, I, and I just figured like this would be a good fun wine to share that maybe you guys didn't know. I have a blind for all of you, or well, three of you. <laughs> I will pour it first here. The shape is, the shape of the bottle is whatever, right? You tricked me earlier, maybe it's actually a Bordeaux bottle. Really? In a, yeah. mm -hmm. in a burgundy looking one with foil. Um, a little bit musky, a little bit, well, pretty natural, but with amazing talent. Just like, mind shot Absolutely amazing talent. So for me, this is like, it's so meaty and savory that it could be anything from like kind of a little bit of whole cluster Oregon Pinot or Burgundy or something I'm thinking like kind of 10 year old Pinot because it's still quite yes. vivacious yes. in terms of the fruit. Or it could be like older Syrah, but it, for me it's feeling like kind of 10 year old whole cluster-ish. Now 10 years, but, 10 years. But, yeah, no. but something that you said really uh, resonated there. Because you got the whole cluster, yes? Cool it is. But sometimes, if you give a winemaker just enough freedom, or just enough, it doesn't need to commercially matter, and they do something as a first step into a certain thing, and the wine is never commercially released, and then you look at it three, four, five, six, seven years later, and you can see what they were doing, you kind of think, maybe they should have been given the platform before. And that's really, really important here, because winemakers, it's like us in uh, Bachi, we don't have that pressure, but Rupert right now, you know, it's called Uncharted <laughs> Wines. It's called un 
It's called uncharted vines. Does that mean you can uh, then go into chartered territory or not? And can you find an uncharted vine from chartered territory or not, right? It's a whole question. Let's say you're a winemaker in a certain area, making wine from a vineyard that's not legally allowed to produce wine yet because it's so fucking young. Planting density is at 17,000 per hectare, so it's really, really, really dense. So there's a lot of legalities in the whole thing. Yeah, your really? whole vineyard is shrinkled to shit, like tiny berries, tiny, tiny berries. And then you make a wine thinking it's probably not going to taste that great, and you sell it to one of your mates. And then, four or five years later, it turns out it tastes like this. And there's a, a DRC equivalent here, or there's other stories that are very famous of young vineyard wines. And that's why I wanted to share this with you, because it's like, it goes against old vineyard wines. The Duval Blocher of uh, the New World. It's 2012 Pinot Noir, a little bit of whole cluster. Now, I don't know the vintage, I know I, I should know it. It's 2012, I'm 100% sure. Because if, it, if it's Oregon, if it's Pacific Northwest wine, it's, I think it's 2012 because it was quite a warm vintage of Pacific Northwest. Do it, do it, do it. And I'm going to be really boring here. I've done something really obvious, but that was the wine I wanted to show you because as a blind. And, and there's a connection between the wine from Very before. Much. Oh! <laughs> so it's wine. the. I wanted to taste it's this. A, it's the wine. It's the. It's my girlfriend's favorite. Rajpa. Yeah, that's right. And I have only six bottles. 2012 Pinot Noir. 12, okay. But imagine this, planting density is absurd. It's Siren's Call Vineyard. He did, never did set down the label. It's now one of his top ranking wines. Siren's Call. It's the vineyard just slightly above Black Coat. And really, really interesting, right? Because he didn't quite want to release this. And then it turns out to be like this. Like the acidity is just like so high toned and put, like the wine is meaty, super interesting. And uh, I had absolutely no idea that's what it was. I just, you know, thought it was, thought it, thought it was delicious Pinot, maybe, but. Santa Rita Hills. Yeah. And he does it again, right? Well, personally, I would not, if I was blind here, I'd be, you know, it's got serious fucking mind, but it doesn't show it on the label or anything else. That's why you gotta give winemakers sometimes a bit of a chance to work outside their comfort zone. Guys, thank you so much. This has been an absolutely incredible uh, Christmas episode. Um, this will be last through the festive season. Festive season. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for hosting us here in your, uh, in your home in uh, Hackney Road. And uh, thanks everyone for bringing the beautiful wines. It was a lot of fun. The wines were fantastic. Guys, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Feliz Navidad. Uh, happy Hanukkah and whatever other holidays I've missed. Cheers. 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 This is awesome. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the episode and that you have a fantastic festive season and that you indulge in some of these great bottles of wine with your friends and family. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to give it a review online. And we'll see you in the new year. Can we do a wine shot for the podcast? Yes, of course we can. Wine shots! <laughs> Are you really doing it? Fuck! Uh -huh. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. It wouldn't it wouldn't be an episode with Sager, Michael Sager, if we didn't do wine shots. What the? Well, I, I gotta do my sign up for Apple. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs>